If you are a lady, if you own a business, Biz Women Rock Podcast, it's for you. This is number 90. Welcome to the Biz Women Rock Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Kremitzos, and this podcast is here to highlight the amazing journeys of business women all over the world so you can find some great information and inspiration for your business journey. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to Faraday Caesar. She has been a musician and she is now a launch strategist. She is talking to us today about her 15 years in the music industry and how she has parlayed a lot of the lessons that she's learned from there to start a marketing strategy company that she has turned into a launch strategy company. The conversation totally went into places I didn't expect, so there's a lot of good information in here about branding yourself, building your own tribe, and obviously launching. It's a great conversation. Let's get into it. Faraday, thanks so much for being on the phone with me today. I'm so excited to be here, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. Woohoo! All right. So I am so excited to have this conversation today for so many reasons. One of them being that you have been a musician for 15 years. You had a 15-year musical career, and I have yet to actually have a musician on this podcast. So I'm really excited to not only find out about that, but your entire business journey that you've had thus far. And specifically because I think that when we think about musicians, you always hear about these creative musicians and then you hear about the music business. And not often are those things actually really connected. It's not often that we really hear what goes on behind the scenes in the music business. So I am really excited to kind of get down and dirty with you about that information. So can you start us with how you initially really got into the music industry? Sure. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy. I was kind of like born into it. I came out of the womb singing. (laughs) And my dad's a guitar builder, guitar maker, guitar player. And so basically from a really young age, he worked from home. So my mom went to work and I stayed home with him. And I went to practices with him. And I went to festivals with him. And I was that kid who fell asleep next to the big subwoofer. So it was started very young. And as about I always knew I wanted to be a musician, but at the age of 14 is when I started playing guitar because I knew that just singing alone would kind of make me unable to complete myself, right? Being able to play guitar and sing at the same time allows you to put on your own show. You don't have to rely on anybody else to join you. And I also just like started my first band right then, started booking gigs, recording albums, I mean, I'd watched my dad, I saw how it was done, I saw the networking, the professionalism, the rules, the all that kind of stuff. So I started really early. I mean, he had this business actually like like creating guitars, but was he an actual musician? Like, did he go yeah. around and tour around as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I was those, at all those places, because he was playing in a band Got and it. playing with all these other people. So I just kind of knew right from the beginning. He gave me a guitar when I was four just took me a little while to get to it. (laughs) (laughs) That is so cool. So not too many people know this, but growing up, there are six kids in my family and we always Mm. used to sing and perform together. And I think my brother was 16 when he learned guitar. So by that time we had been singing together and acting together and we would like put on all of these shows for 
my parents' friends who would come over and we have American bandstand. We would have like all these like routines and songs and stuff. And my husband was laughing because the first year he came home with me for Christmas, <laughs> we like part of, you know, our ritual is that everyone would like get in the living room and my we'd have like this talent show. My nieces would get, <laughs> get up and sing. And it's it's like the crazy like like we're such dorks like all singing together but it's so much fun like was that how your family was too no not at all (laughs) (laughs) I'm assuming like okay maybe you and your dad are like jamming together or something well sometimes yeah like really like music is work right to us right so it's not always people are like why don't you come play around the campfire I'm like if you pay me sure but unless (laughs) unless you got some money I am no dancing monkey That's fascinating because that's not generally the avenue with which I think musicians, well, I don't, I don't know. This is such a generalization, but I don't think, I wouldn't think that that's generally the avenue that a lot of musicians come into it with, but because you saw the business end from a young age, you really did, which is really fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think from the very young age, I mean, I already saw musicians who, I mean, frankly, didn't make it right. Who had all the talent, all the abilities, but who for whatever reasons couldn't make it, one of them being addictions, one of them maybe not having the right sound, and then the other one just not having the business sense to make it happen. And so just from a very young age, I became very passionate about the fact that I needed to know the business end of music to make it, especially because I saw that the music industry was changing, right? The music industry my dad grew up with and was playing at the height of his career is very different than I knew mine would be. So... Yeah, totally different because I think some people just, they want to make music, but they don't want to figure out the business of it. But um, there is no division. Like it doesn't really, if you want to make music for fun, then do it for fun. But if you, but if you want to make money from it, it's a business. Totally different perspective. (laughs) Very, very different perspective. Mm -hmm. What were some of those things that you implemented as a business person, you know, within your music career? Like what are some of those things that maybe not a lot of us who understand the music business really know? Like what kind of business elements are you really dealing with and had to become very good at? Well, I mean, running a music industry like business is, is the same as running any kind of industry in the way that you need customers. You need products, you need to sell, you need to balance your books. So what it looks like now is a lot of hustle. You want to get people to your shows. You want to get people really interested in you as a product. I think that's one of the big differences between uh, the music model to other models is that there is no brand. There is me, especially as a soloist. So creating a brand around my personality is a big part of it. And then getting people attached to me and interested in what I have to say, interested in the music I make, interested in the journeys I'm having, wanting to come and meet me at shows. I mean, those are kind of obvious, but what about like the business of learning to sell from the stage so that you sell CDs? Because I live in Canada, one of the ways we support ourselves a lot is through grant writing. So we have to do a lot of writing of reports and marketing plans and business plans showing that there's market viability, a potential that people will buy. You know, it's kind of boring, but... (laughs) You can get a grant. You can get a government-funded grant to be a musician. Well, for a specific project, yeah. Like, so I'm still an active musician, and so I'm going to be performing in, like, another state or province over to a showcase, like an industry showcase, and I can apply for money to pay for 50% of my gas and and travel and stuff. Yeah. Wow. But there's lots of um, kind of grants for various industries. It just happens to be that there's some musicians too. 
So did you have kind of what I typically think of as that sort of struggling musician lifestyle where you literally were just like booking at different venues and traveling all around and either getting paid to, to sing and perform and or selling your CDs? Was that pretty much your, your model? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Basically, I was like a one woman shop who like ran everything and then traveled and toured my buns off. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah, that's basically it. My last tour, I think I did 21 shows in 30 days from all the way from Minneapolis, all the way over to Washington, all the way down to Florida. Wow. It was intense. (laughs) No kidding. Maybe it went to Texas. Well, you had mentioned before we got on the air that out of this 15-year career, you pretty much spent 13 years being broke and not doing it well, or it just wasn't clicking. And then two years, it really kicked off. So what were the major components that actually made it click and made it work as a business for you? Well, firstly, I just like to say you said that so nicely, because really what I told you was <laughs> it was 13 years of utter failure and then two <laughs> years of like somewhat success. And then I was like, wait a second, there are so many more ways to make money now that I figured this out. <laughs> I'm such a I'm such an optimist, you know, yeah, the yeah. failure thing. OK, whatever. It was a learning experience. <laughs> no, it was complete utter failure. Basically, I was so I was doing everything everybody told me to, but one of the big things about creating art is that you create product before you have your market. So you're creating a piece of art that kind of comes from your heart, but you're not creating it for someone. So one day I was just like driving home on a 10 hour drive from some gig and I was kind of thinking, oh, I just don't know about what I'm doing. And I decided to create a couple other projects And it really was just an experiment, kind of a last-ditch approach to if I was going to quit music, then I needed to do these projects. One of them happened to be a group that I'm in now called, well, of course, and I started then, called Rosie and the Riveters. And we're like this 1940s all-girl group that sings like folk gospel with like 1940s costumes and hair and then dancing. It's, it's, It's the craziest, craziest band. But, you know, I created that group because I'd grown up in like folk music circuits. And I knew what they wanted to see. And so I was like, this would be amazing because I love gospel music. And I think that there's so many women where I live that are so um, talented. But, you know, I'm not sure. I think in many industries we're like, we are competitive because we don't feel like there's enough for everybody. Like they hear one girl, then they've heard every girl. And so women solo singer-songwriters just weren't collaborating and I knew I wasn't collaborating and I knew I wasn't growing so I wanted to take four singer-songwriters and bring them together to collaborate and grow and to create a product that would actually sell because I knew what they wanted so that was the, the change was that I actually started creating music that I knew there was a market for which you know I guess some people will call it selling out. I call it buying in. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. I like that. That was a big difference. And um, that band still goes strong. I don't do it. Um, obviously, I have my new business now, but I still do it like all the time. Every, most weekends, like for instance, on Wednesday, I'm in the stu- we're in the studio recording a new record and, and we have shows on the weekend. Within your music career, what's been one of the lowest moments that you've had? Like what's been one of the most challenging things that you've had to get through? Oh my gosh, just one? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, there's a thing about, you know, being on stage and being completely ignored as you're singing out your heart. That can be very hard. I think the lowest moments are when, I, you know what, it was, I think some of the lower moments were when I knew it wasn't working and I didn't know what to do. And then, but then the most kind of what ended it, what, why I decided to like come home from tour and change was make this change to start my new business was that I had to get really real about my life. Like while my music business was finally working, um, I was still an introverted heart. And being a musician, there's an expectation that you're constantly meeting new people. And I was tired and I was sick. And while I was making a little bit money, little bit of money wasn't like enough. You know, I was getting engaged. So like start a family or, you know, I just didn't want to raise my kids in a bus anymore. So <laughs> I knew I had to make a change. Um, but for so long, I knew I needed to make a change, but I didn't know what to change to. And then I kind of realized that all the musicians would always ask me, like, how on earth did you make these marketing plans? And the industry associations would be like, what is this? Well, nobody's seen marketing plans this good before. And I was like, oh, I love marketing people. And that's what I'm going to do. So it took you a while to kind of figure that stuff out. Oh, my God. I would pray just like, dear Lord, just tell me what you need me to do. <laughs> and I just was like, ah, because I like, I am very free spirited. I can't really work an eight to five job to save my life. I've tried. It just involves me in the fetal position every weekend evening. <laughs> um, so I knew I was kind of like broken for the system and I knew I had to like call my own shots, but I just didn't know what, and I, and I get bored easily. So I knew I had to own my own business, but it had to be something I cared about. Right. So there's lots of confusion and waiting for the moments and the signs and just, you know, that was pretty hard. So when you finally did all this sort of self-work to discover like, hey, yes, I am going to stop being a musician professionally and I'm going to now be a marketing strategist. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. that took some time to be able to come to. <laughs> what, were, what were some of your first steps? Because that, even though you were doing it, having and having a successful marketing strategy company is a completely different animal than being a musician. So what were some of the first steps that you took to actually start creating that reality and making it successful? Well, I had to quit tour. <laughs> I think I was, it didn't actually take me a long time. Like once I figured out what it was, I was on, I was on this one month, I was actually on a three month tour and through the States and it was Christmas time. My husband came down to, or my then fiance came down. I visited with family and I just kind of woke up to like, okay, I need to do this. And I'd been waiting for this, like whatever that was for so long. And I just thought I should change now. And so I actually quit tour one month into a three month tour. And I was just like, okay, this is just what I got to do. This is just it. And so quit tour, number one. <laughs> fly home, uh, explain myself to my husband who was worried I've had like some sort of like mental breakdown. <laughs> was like, so why are you home? I mean, I'm happy to see you, but what's, what's going on? And so I was like, no, no, I just know that this is right. First steps. Well, I started telling people what I was doing, like just, just kind of helping change that story, get people to start thinking of me for business ideas. I started just researching, figuring out what it is I could do, following up with people who'd kind of said, oh, you should totally do this, or 
for instance, my musical association where I live would always say, oh, you have a really great marketing plans. Maybe you should give a talk about it. So I followed up with them. I, so I, I'm on, I'm one of their consultants who meet with people pretty regularly if they want help with their marketing plan musicians, that kind of thing. I just kind of, the one thing I really realized that was such a great thing about being a musician is I had so many contacts, so many people knew who I was. And I wasn't afraid to hustle anymore because there have been times when I was like, I need to sell 200 tickets. And straight up, Katie, I have like called people's houses and be like, would you like to come to this show? How about I drop off tickets right now because I need to sell 200 tickets. So (laughs) (laughs) You're going to make it happen. (laughs) I know how to make it happen. But I knew all these people. So that was like so grateful. So great to help, you know, to start it. And then I also started with some free clients. So the free clients I started with were ones I knew would benefit to me. So I don't think starting with free clients is always the best idea, right? Because it can like devalue. But for instance, one, her boyfriend is a famous musician. So for me, that was really helpful because I knew she meets lots of people. Her her business is so fascinating to me and she was really creative. So I knew that she would be a really great person to start with. And from that free work, I've actually gained, I don't know, three three additional monthly clients who are on retainer and she's also come back as a, a paid client. So that was really good. The other person was a photographer who took my great photography because I believe in having beautiful photographs. They are beautiful, by the way. Very Thanks. good. Thanks. I believe in leveraging what you're good at and I'm good at taking photos. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then the third thing was the, the girl who made my logo. So that was a really good place to start. Just free clients, research, and and just experimenting, trying to trying new things, and and just seeing how they're um, accepted, right? You know, that's we have to just constantly be innovating and evolving, and then just seeing what the research tells us, and then pivoting based upon that. So first, you were really dealing with these clients one on one, helping them with their marketing plan, and pretty soon you got very involved in sort of internet marketing and being on and really leveraging online as a way to really enhance your entire marketing and your business. What kind of things did you do to make sure that you were prepared to go there? Like, what did you know about it already? And what kind of stuff were were you figuring out and finding out about that time? Well, you know, I actually enrolled in Marie Forleo's business B-School. And because before that, I like really, I mean, of course, I like did social media, but I didn't know anything about online business. So I was like, all right, this seems like the course that'll teach me. So I enrolled in that. And then, of course, I just like learned what else was out there from various people and other women in that course and so slowly I built up this knowledge of being like okay yeah I've been building this mailing list for a while but maybe I could be more strategic about this and so I didn't really know that much going into it not like I know now right You really have positioned yourself as somebody who like the, I want to come up with a good phrase for, but it's like the killer launch strategist. Like you really can help people launch. (laughs) Yeah. So tell me why you decided to really specialize in that. Like, was there some sort of personal experience that you had had with that where you had tried all these things and they worked? Like what made you go in that direction? So that was another experience of like that 13 years of failure two years of success. 
kind of like the first 13 months of <laughs> being, being having my online business was a lot of research. And then I had, you know, a mastermind of women that I met with all the time. And one of them was talking about launching a course and how she was so overwhelmed. And I said, well, why don't you hire me and I'll help you? Because I'm, I'm that bold friend who's like, why don't you hire me? <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the hustler, it all comes around. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you do that? And I was like, well, of course, like every marketing strategist uh, does. And that's when I actually changed my name to launch strategist. And then it was like suddenly people knew what I did because as a marketing strategist, that's really vague. But a launch strategist is somehow way more like particular, narrow. It says, and I'm just very clear, I do online launches. And so I just helped her. And then once I had that name and some good testimonials and results, I noticed there was less competition. So I just kind of went all into that. Uh, by the time I did that, I had a mailing list I'd been talking to for eight months. I had clients or people, friendships online that I'd been building for a long time. I'd already been kind of trying things like writing weird songs on the ukulele about business. So yeah, I have, <laughs> it's kind of weird. So I have, I already had kind of like a tribe of people following me. So they were happy to follow me into this. So talk about some of the best strategies that you've used to build your own tribe. Cause you're, you're talking about a few mm -hmm. of these things. And I actually did see a few of your video blog, you know, videos with the ukulele about fire your client. There's a really good song there. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the things that have worked for you. What I love is that you obviously have tried things and things have not worked. So oh, yeah. um, maybe talk about one or two of the things that have not worked and a few things that you have actually implemented that have stuck and why that stuck. Sure. Well, I think, I mean, okay, let's talk about opt-ins because I think an opt-in, which is like the bribe that you give somebody for signing up to your mailing list, they say if you have a really good one, it converts like crazy and it's true, but I like had like three different ones before that and it did not work. And part of it was A, I was thinking too hard, B, over time I learned that I had to kind of be myself again. They always say like, be yourself, be yourself, but I'm really cognizant of that in like everything I do in my blog. How are you not being yourself before? People will say like, you have to add a lot of value. And so I'd be like, okay, I want to add a lot of value. So it just gets really technical, like three steps to launching success. Step one, I would become very technical and not entertaining because not really the free spirit. Yeah, yeah. You know, like one of my most popular newsletters was when I was like, I don't know what to write about. So I'm just going to write about my cat. And <laughs> And people were like, this was, I got so many emails back. And I was like, what? Okay, I guess adding value doesn't actually help. <laughs> um, so I stopped trying to add value and I started trying to tell stories. So that's kind of the difference in, and same thing with my opt-in actually. In the end, I created opt-in that people asked me for, which was they wanted to launch. Their biggest thing is they didn't know what to do or when to do it. So I was like, here's a checklist and a calendar. It was maybe the easiest opt-in of all the opt-ins I'd created. And now it converts great. But the other ones, yeah, it would put my heart and my soul into it. And it wasn't wasn't as effective. So here's my question for that. When you say your opt-in converts great, what does that mean? Oh, well, I don't know exactly how awesome it should be. Like, I guess, I guess it, it to me, relative to me. So for instance, I was working from June of last year until February, I had 43 signups. So that's like eight months, 43 signups. 
And then from then till now, I have like a thousand, which isn't amazing, but it's really good considering it's the same amount of traffic that comes to my website. Got it. So meaning it's converting as in more people are putting their email into your opt-in. Yeah. Gotcha. And I really like that because then I get to write them letters about my cat to their inbox. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, and I mean, and from 43 to 1,000, it means it's actually been doubling every two months. So that's really, really great for me. And I tried before that 43, I tried like three different opt-ins. Like it, it was not going good. <laughs> How important is that for people to pay attention to those kind of statistics? Because I think sometimes we just get it up and we know this thing called an autoresponder. And it's usually maybe for some of us, it's the one email that goes out and says, thank you for signing up for my list. And here's the freebie that you're going to get. And then that's it. So what from your strategic mind, what do we need to know in order to know that our opt-in is working and to pay attention to the statistics and what should be happening behind the scenes in a quote unquote successful opt-in? Okay. So the, how I viewed my successful, why, what I wanted out of my opt-in was that I wanted people to want it, but I also wanted people to actually talk about it. Right? So we've all had experiences with people who say like, Oh, you should totally get this person's opt-in. It's so great. Or they get an email saying like, thank you so much for your opt-in. It was so helpful. And prior to this one, I'd never received that. So I think that the power of your opt-in and what you want out of it, it can be based on your success modules, right? So for me, it wasn't about whether this person purchased because I knew that my products are pretty high end. So I knew it would take a long time for somebody to be ready to actually purchase me. But I knew if they could create some word of mouth about the opt-in, then I could reach the people who would actually not be DIY, but actually would want to purchase my packages. And I knew for myself, I know that that metric of the mailing list is really important because similarly to being a musician, I've styled this business as a, like a personality-based brand. It's about me. So I know that if I have quite a few people who are my followers, who are my fans, who are my tribe, I'm set up to have like a little bit more freedom in my business later. What kind of products or services I want to create. But not everybody has that kind of business model. Like some people are service models and then you don't need 100,000 followers if you run a smaller boutique. Now, you had mentioned before that in your music career, you really learned the lesson of creating and selling product that there's already market for. Mm -hmm. How have you implemented that into your business now? Oh, great question, because I've been like thinking about this so much about how it's <laughs> that I mean, I've created a $20,000 record that I did not have any fans for before. <laughs> and the amount of hustle I had to put into that to make it work. And I mean, I had to tour my bun off. And that's not unusual. We make products online without even researching to find out if anybody wants to buy it. So what I did with this, like when I knew, so suddenly I took this twist into the launch strategist. I was like, people get it now. But I was like, that's not enough. But will they pay for it? Suddenly people were starting to call in. But I also with my email, when you get like my freebie, I encourage you to like fill out a survey about your experiences with launches. So that could pull out for me like the key issues, the key struggles, the words that they use to describe their problems, to see if anybody would actually like if is this a problem? Do people want this? So you almost use it like a test market. Like, let me just really see what the yeah. flavor is out there. Well, and then I also, I did over 30 interviews as well. Like and interviews and like strategy sessions for people where they could ask me questions about their launch and I could give them advice. Because I wasn't, you know, I've done all these launches, but prior to, to making this switch, all my launching had been offline. You know, as a musician, what you do is you build buzz 
and you launch. You launch albums, you launch tours, you launch um, merch, you launch, you know, special singles, everything. Um, so I also needed to know, do I know online launching? And so that was a really quick way for me to like run through everybody's key issues and to really know, know this stuff, I've got it. This is totally in my wheelhouse. And also I got to learn what their struggles were, how they wanted help with it and those kinds of things. So yeah, I continue to really make sure that my product actually meets the needs of my clients. Mm. So and so one of the things about being a one woman shop and being somebody who researches and looks is that I'm not afraid to quit what doesn't work and try something new and pivot and adjust so that I can, you know, or what it's also called failing fast. I'm totally fine with failing really fast so I can keep moving forward. See, there comes that epic failure thing coming over again. It's all, it's part yeah. of the thing. Like you have to really be comfortable with that. And I like that pivoting, failing fast. It's all, it's all part of the game. Yeah, exactly. And also when you do that, when you can experiment with yourself, for me, that's been a big part of my brand. You Like there, I'm, I never say like I'm the perfect launch strategist. There's many people who are really productivity experts who really portray excellence in what they do. And that is not my niche. I'm totally fine with being that creativity girl who makes mistakes and pivots. And that's my thing. And that's why people come to me. So I'm totally okay with that. Well, what would you say about the possibility of an argument where, look, because we're all evolving as businesswomen, mm -hmm. right? Totally. So sometimes, and I've definitely had this in my past kind of business experiences where I'm afraid to go full, to go full force with one particular interest because I'm like, <gasps> what happens if I totally change and then I'm not that person and I don't want to be associated with what I was doing then because now I'm doing something different. Like, how have you dealt with the fact that you're embracing the evolution of you and that could mean that one day you're a musician and today you're a launch strategist and maybe tomorrow you're something different. Hmm. Yeah. I think that that's always a challenge. I certainly like interviewed people and some people have said that their clients came with them or with didn't come with them. I guess I think about it a lot when I get those fears because they do come. I think a lot about my own, my own body of work as an artist um, I've released over five records and I'm about to make a sixth. And every time you re make a record, you think it's the worst record you've ever made and it's horrible. And then the <laughs> next one you're going to make is the best record you've ever made. And so I think about that too with businesses that like as entrepreneurs, I believe that business is art. Like I actually don't believe that it's like this very mechanical linear thing. I feel like it's a really creative process and that we have to have the freedom to evolve and create and innovate that that's, that's the best part of having a business. And that's the only way to stay happy. So I guess I don't really worry about it because I figure that my, my true fans will come with me. I love that answer. That's really, really great. <laughs> and what that does is it really brings home this idea of building a personal brand and building a tribe, building people who are part of your community and really just maintaining really great relationships with them. Yeah, actually, I was just thinking about when I was talking to my husband and I was like, I don't know, should I throw my whole life behind this launch strategy thing? What do you think? And he's like, honey, in two weeks, you're going to be bored of launch strategy. <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of true. But I mean, I'm still throwing my hand, myself behind it. But this idea of, you know, I'm always going to be evolving. And that's okay. You know, like, that's just who we are. So you've been in business now in this marketing strategy and launch strategy business 
just since the beginning of 2013. So it's fairly new. And you had alluded to the fact that you're kind of like chugging along and figuring it out. But things have just started clicking for you to the point where you are about to seriously take off. So what has made that switch happen? And where are you headed? Okay, so I think what made that switch happen was this whole changing to a launch strategist because I responded to the needs of the market and then I created a product and a service that fit that need because there really wasn't anybody actually helping people launch with confidence. So there are some VAs who do it or, well, there's really nobody. There's maybe some classes on launching, but there's nobody who will be like, here, Katie, you just help me. I'm going to walk you through it like a coach. I got some software. We're going to happen. You know, I've got somebody to talk to. Like there really wasn't anybody. So suddenly I had this opportunity to just really fill it. So I'm filling it and I'm having to grow my team. Um, I have six assistants now. Wow. They don't, they're, none of them are full time. I'm kind of going, trying that whole concept of instead of trying to get one person who's good at everything, get a couple people who are good at, have, let them have a little, a portion. So I'm trying that, but it's super fun to be able to like say to my mom, like my mom's like, how's business? I was like, yeah, just me and my six assistants. No big deal. (laughs) Your mom's wanting to schedule breakfast and you're like, um, (laughs) let me give you my assistant's number and she'll schedule it up for you. (laughs) Especially, especially because my mom was the kind of person who was like, so you can, you know, get a real job anytime soon, you know? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Does she still believe that what you do is like a real thing? Well, I think she, she asked me how business is. She doesn't really know what I do, <laughs> but she's mostly concerned because I have an internet business. She's like, so did you see anybody today? And I was like, oh yeah, I talked to my friend here and this client here. She's like, in person? <laughs> I was like, oh God, no, I haven't left the house in five days. <laughs> she's like, you need people contact Faraday. That's funny. Faraday, what do you have coming up? Like what you just mentioned that you have product that you're making, but mm, what do you have positioned to really skyrocket you? Well, I'm going to actually release a course. I'm going to launch a course that will walk people through launching. So nice. <laughs> which is like slightly pressuresome too, because like, what does a launch strategist do to launch? You know, like you feel, well, nobody cares. I know that nobody cares, but you know, I can think everybody's watching. Am I doing it right? Am I, and I, and I just think, oh gosh, there's no way to do it right. Just do it simply at first. And I'm I'm just doing it really simply this round in August, and then I'll do another round in October. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on is helping other people on a on a larger scale, actually walking them through the launch in a simple and fun way. Because there are some really fantastic courses about launching, but none of them have launch monsters. And I put launch monsters in mine, Whoa, which seems like <laughs> which seems like left field. So I was going through the research, and I was going to create a course about launching. And I went through the research of the interviews and the surveys I took, and I realized that nobody wants a course about launching. They want a course that walks them through a launch. So that's what I created. I'm like, so in my sales form, I'm say, this isn't a course about launching. It's you actually launching. Very but nice. then the other thing I looked at was I realized how, well, I knew, I knew this from one-on-one, launching, whatever you're doing launching, I don't, I don't 
if it's an album, if it's a tour, if it's a course, if it's a program, if it's a service, if it's a new website, it's highly emotional. It's a really emotional thing to launch because you're up leveling, you're releasing something you're kind of tied to. And then when I looked over the research, I just saw all this emotion. I saw overwhelm, procrastination, perfectionism, wanting to hide. And I realized that if I didn't address those, nobody would complete my course, which I mean, arguably you could say, I don't care once they've sold it, but I do care because I want them to actually launch because launching is a skill set. People have this dream of doing like the three-part video series and affiliates and this huge thing, but you have to start somewhere to actually develop the skills to be able to do that. And so I wanted to walk them through. And so I thought, well, this, you know, what people come to me is for fun. Like they know that Fair Days is like, if they know me at all, not that anybody really knows me, but if they happen to come across me, they kind of get, oh, this is like this fun music chick. So I decided that I needed to address it with fun. And so I was like, well, clearly I'm just going to personify each of these emotions as a monster to watch out at each step of this launching process. Because there's a part where you get really overwhelmed. There's a part where you get really perfectionistic. And there's a part when you want to like hide. It's called the retreat beast. You want to retreat and not be seen and not really bother people with all those newsletters or like social media things, you know. And so that's how I decided to approach it. Very cool. I love yeah. that idea. It's called the Fun and Simple Launch. It's the only it's the only online course with launch monsters. <laughs> Love it. Well, where can people go to get more information about that? Well, they can just go to faraday.ca. That's all the information. Or funandsimplelaunch.com too. That'll work. And those will all be, all those links will be in the show notes as well. And when do you plan on launching that course? I'm going to be launching in the next couple of weeks, actually. Woo, yeah. watch out. All right. Yeah. Very, very cool. So I want to conclude this conversation by Ooh. going into our favorite five. Are you ready? Oh, gosh. This is the part I've been most excited about the whole time. <laughs> like, what could it be? What could she it has be? no idea what favorites I'm going to ask of her. Okay. Okay. So are you ready? I hope so. Bring it on. Okay. So what is your favorite song? <gasps> Tiny Dancer by Elton John. Ooh, good one. What's oh, your favorite meal? Let's see. Sorry, it's not coming. I'm, I, That's all right. I've been gluten-free for two years. All the things I miss are just, I just think of all the things I can eat. <laughs> okay, I'll say my grandmother's trifle. It's a dessert, but really that's a meal. <laughs> what, is, what is that? Oh, trifle. It's like a layered, my family's English, so it's kind of like a layered, it's kind of got uh, like angel food cake at the bottom and like this jello thing and then custard on top and then whipped cream on top and then like fruit all the way in the jello and on top. Nice. All right. Yes. It's tasty. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. All right. Favorite vacation spot. Ooh. Mm. Oh, I once went to the uh, Northern Islands of New Zealand. My friend's grandparents owned a yacht. They actually made yachts. For, it was like the weirdest, craziest, most amazing day of my life. And they took us yachting to these like, like islands of the northern New Zealand and there was nobody there and the water was crystal clear and we jumped off the boat and 90 year old grandparents driving the yacht that is the best vacation spot in the world wow sounds like a good time <laughs> it was northern amazing. New Zealand all right yeah how about your favorite business star and I, I'm saying that with a caveat this is somebody that you look up to in business who's your favorite business star mm -hmm. her name is Mai Carles and she's this little Panamanian woman. And she's kind of actually the first person I discovered online who showed me that I could be myself. Cause she's just like this da 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 kind of like really enthusiastic, high, high energy 
girl who she runs something called the heartmadeblog.com and she has checklists and like life is messy planners but I love her because she's so herself and she's so creative and she's so business but she's totally not rigid she's very creative in her approach so I've always loved her and I've slowly but surely like uh, made her my friend mm -hmm. by bribing her with ukulele songs and love notes. <laughs> well, and that's going to get me to the final favorite five question, which is, what is your favorite instrument? Oh, hmm. oh, well, I really love the piano. I wish I could play it. Oh, my goodness. That's my favorite. But I mean, I also love the Omnichord. That's a pretty cool instrument. Most people won't know what it is, but if you go to one of my, if you just search Get Back to Work Girl Faraday, you'll see me playing it. It's basically like this weird 80s instrument where you can put like really crazy drum and bass in there and then play a pretend harp. It's, that's nice. the only way I can describe it. It's very <laughs> odd. All you had to say was 80s instrument and now I have like spandex and headbands in my head. Yeah, and we all need more spandex in our life. <laughs> Well, Faraday, I really want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story and for uh, really helping us see behind the scenes some of the really great things that we need to know for launches and your experience with that. So thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was such a great time. bizwomenrock.com forward slash 90 is where you can find all the information about Faraday. And just in case you were wondering, yes, that was her singing the very, very introduction of this show. She was wonderful. So love that conversation. Are you dying to be part of a businesswomen community where you can be surrounded by other really great on-fire businesswomen who talk about different business topics and throw out ideas and concerns about what's going on in business? Then you have to be a part of the BWR Connect. This is the private Facebook group that is specifically for you, for the entire Biz Women Rock community. I would love for you to be a part of it. All you have to do is go to bizwomenrock.com, opt in, and you will go ahead and get the very easy instructions to get into the group, okay? I would love to see you there. Have a great day, and I will see you on the next episode.